Welcome to Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined by Dennis Stewart. Good afternoon, Dennis. Good afternoon, Greg. Very nice to be with you again. Likewise. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Like Pleasantries over. It, it now is. get on with the job. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, you've been talking about tomatoes yeah, for the last have. few weeks. Yeah, we have. And I'm not even a vegetable grower, but I'm a vegetable eater. Yep. <laughs> what uh, I've been talking about and what I want to expand on again today, Greg, is that tomatoes contain a very significant chemical constituent known as lycopene. Mm -hmm. And it has been increasingly shown to have some powerful medicinal properties. I've touched on that in previous programs, but I've had such good feedback that I'm going to touch on it again today, just review some of the benefits of using the tomato in a particular form, because tomatoes aren't necessarily tomatoes. Well, look at that as we go along. Well, sometimes they're tomatoes, aren't they? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, what I was hoping you might lead me into, Greg, was to talk about what is it in tomatoes. Well, we'll we'll talk about that topic, okay? Right. Well, what is it about the tomatoes? (laughs) Oh, right. You said they help lower blood pressure? Well, look, what we're finding about the tomato, depending on how you use it, and that's a point that I'll talk about in a a moment, Mm -hmm. that it has significant actions Uh, in quite um, important areas. Um, One of the actions that it has is that it can be effective in helping manage blood pressure levels. And secondarily, and I'd like to emphasise this today, um, it has been shown to be one of the most significant foods, particularly for elderly men, Mm -hmm. uh, to resist or help resist the assertion of prostate cancer. Two areas of great significance. But I think it's important that listeners know that even though we're, say, we're talking about tomatoes, what we're really talking about again is this topic that food is your best medicine and that what we uh, regard as a food frequently uh, and very, very frequently contains significant medicinal characteristics. Not many people realise that nearly every food we eat can be harnessed and converted into a, into a medicinal entity. Now, the tomato is a classic example of that. Sure, it can be used, and we, we all eat the tomato in, mm-hmm. in sandwiches and salads, and we love it, but we fail to appreciate that it contains a very significant substance, which is called carotenoid, and its name is lycopene, L-Y-C-O-P-E-N-E. Lycopene is the carotenoid chemical constituent, the primary chemical constituent in the tomato. So the next time you go into the grocer's shop, mm-hmm. ask the grocer what content of lycopene is that in that tomato. <laughs> now, I'm only joking, but what has been shown is that when that chemical constituent is taken in a significant quantity, it asserts a very significant and measurable medicinal effect. Now, if we Look at the area of blood pressure. Now, first of all, I I always need to emphasise this. Blood pressure is a problem that needs to be medically managed, medically monitored. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with any individual seeking to develop a lifestyle and eating habits that may assist in keeping the blood pressure to that level where it's not required to be heavily treated with, with, with drugs, yep. as doctors would agree with that. For instance, the, 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 the theory that you um, dissent from using a lot of uh, salt is, is medically accepted, generally speaking, because yep. salt has been shown to have a minimal effect on raising blood pressure. Lycopene 
has been given clinical trials and demonstrated to significantly lower both the systolic and diastolic levels of the blood pressure. Now, people say, oh, where'd you get that information from? Well, listen, I can assure you, at this point of my life, I'm undergoing a process which is very distressing, and that is many of the books that I've accumulated over the years, unfortunately, are going the way of all books because I've got so many of them, and I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this topic mm -hmm. because a book that, uh, that influenced me greatly was given to me by a colleague of mine years ago. We both went down to Sydney and um, underwent some uh, cardiovascular testing. We both did pretty well, but he gave me a book for whatever purpose I'm not uh, sure of. This is going back to about 2009. The book was entitled, and I'll go slowly, so that listeners that are interested in this topic of seeing how you can use food to work with your doctor, work with yourself, and keeping your blood pressure at a better level, the name of the book is Take the Pressure Off Your Heart. Now, I'll say it again, Take the Pressure Off Your Heart by a Mr. Robert Kowalski. It's a recent book, when I say about 10 years of age, so reasonably recent. Yep. In that book, there is a section dealing with the clinical trial that was carried out in Israel by a well-known professor of medicine, clinical trials where lycopene was given in a measured, encapsulated or tableted form I think, don't hold me to it, 15 milligrams of lycopene, I think was the daily level in the capsule of lycopene that was given to a group of people over a significant period of time. In other words, a clinical trial. At the end of that clinical trial, it was demonstrated that there was a significant reduction, a very significant reduction, both in what's called the systolic and also the diastolic level. Now, the point about this is, and the, the, the way of looking at this is, this is not to say that it is a competitive blood pressure drug with what our good doctors prescribe, but it's a significant supplement to take. Readily available, readily available, lycopene is readily available. 15 to 30 milligrams a day is what has been used. If it is going to be used, it would be used as a daily supplement. Don't expect anything to happen overnight by taking yeah. one. If it is carried out religiously, so to speak, in, say, a one-capsule dose of 15 milligrams a day, it is reasonable to expect some indication of a mild blood pressure drop, which may encourage the GP to say to the patient, look, your blood pressure was borderline. It's improved. Let's give it time to see how it goes. So, in other words, in a pre-hypertensive situation, the lycopene medication from the tomato, the extract from the tomato, lycopene in a readily available supplement taken in the same way as a blood pressure drug on a daily basis has the potential, the potential to help bring the blood pressure down, as I've said, significant enough in many cases to cause the prescribing doctor who manages our blood pressure to say, well, okay, Let's give it a little bit longer because that's moving in the right direction. Or the other area where the Israelis demonstrated the benefit of lycopene was that where you're taking a pretty heavy drug pre uh, blood pressure medication and it isn't holding the medication, lycopene in that dosage mentioned by Kowalski in his book, Take the Pressure Off Your Heart, 
may be useful in allowing the doctor, the prescribing medico, to bring in a natural medication, say lycopene, as a means of lessening the need to go to stronger and more complicated blood pressure medication. So the point about it is, here is a food containing a medicinal substance called lycopene that has the potential, the potential I'm saying, to help do something positive for our blood pressure. Ah, but you can also get a benefit from the blood from from uh, from tomatoes. Yep. You can also get lycopene from the tomato. Ideally, not if you're using it in any sort of ongoing way, but you want to get the benefit of it. If you want to get lycopene out of the tomato in an effective way, you're not going to get it out of the tomato by slicing it and putting it on a tomato sandwich. No. It is necessary to do what the Italians, the Spanish, the Mediterranean people have always known. You've got to fry the tomato. You've got to cook the tomato, ideally in olive oil, but any fat will do, in order to release the chemistry. Then you get the lycopene in an assimilable form. So if you're going to get real benefit from the tomato, sorry, folks, don't worry about the salad. You're not going to get (laughs) much out of the tomato there. I thought at one stage you're going, don't tell me we have to eat them whole, just straight up, but no, cook, cook them, fair enough. <laughs> I love them. Follow, follow what the Italians, the Spanish, the Mediterranean people do. And interestingly, this is going to shatter people's confidence in what I'm saying. The best source of lycopene to 100 milligram is tomato sauce. Tomato sauce or, or, or tomato paste yep. as, is a concentrate of the tomato with a high level of lycopene. So, folks, if you don't like tomatoes, and many many people don't because they claim it gives them arthritis or whatever it is, do again what I've said. Make up your spaghetti with a lot of pa- tomato paste. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy naturally with Dennis Stewart and okay, your RFM. Okay. We've got Michael from Greenpoint, and he's got a friend who's got a finger infection since around June this year. Michael. Yeah, good afternoon, Dennis. How are you? How are you? I'm very well, Michael. How are you? Hope yeah, you haven't got blood right. pressure. Uh, my blood pressure is good. Well, there I you go. Lots of, lots of cooked tomatoes. Oh, good on you. You've, you've been listening to my program over the years. You're right under the Mediterranean habit. Good, good on you. Well done. And that wasn't organised. You said that on your own back, didn't you? No, no. Yeah, I learned that. Yeah, I did. Okay. How can we help you? Yeah, well, my friend's got that myocom bacterium shaloni. Shaloni, yeah, yeah. Yeah, infection and... Uh, He's been in hospital three times oh, with it, even a trip to ICU. Uh, he's on a million and one um, antibiotics, and they're not sure which way it'll go. Um, and now the finger um, it gets like a lesion in it, which eats the flesh and then turns pussy and, and mm. uh, it, yeah, keeps going. So okay. is, he still, oh. is he still in hospital, Michael? No, no, he's not in hospital. He's, mm. he's back at work on light duties, but I mean very light duties. Um, what sort of work did he do? Uh, he paints planes. Okay, okay. Mm. And and he's still presently on antibiotics? Yeah, totally, yeah. Okay. Yep. And he's under an infectious diseases specialist at the John Hunter. Okay, look, this is a long shot and it would obviously have to be uh, run past his medical managers. Um, sure. In herbal medicine... There are a couple of herbs that are known as significantly antimicrobial in their characteristic. And interestingly, the American herb, Echinacea, 
whether it be Echinacea angustifolia or purpurea, both those varieties of Echinacea in their extracted form and in their right dosage administered according to the dosage contained in the technical literature, such as the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, are used to treat stubborn recurring infections. Now, um, the, 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 in other words, they have a history of benefit in addressing uh-huh. infection per se. Now, that doesn't mean to say that they will work in every case. Yeah. All I'm saying is that the chemistry of, of the echinacea uh, genus, if you like, is one that has allowed it to be used for fairly serious infections. In some of the literature, there's even a hint that it can address uh, septicemias, and that is in the technical literature, so I'm not just talking through the top of my head, so to speak. So one of the things that I would uh, seriously recommend that he has a word with those that are managing the infection and Mm -hmm. get them to look at the characteristics of echinacea. I could not see how it would clash because it works at a a more systemic and less specific way than an antibiotic. I think it would be useful to to talk to them about appending to his management uh, a liquid extract or a standardised preparation of echinacea in the right dosage to see if that can augment the antimicrobial treatment that he might be having. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the great fear that he'll get septicemia. And Correct. Yeah. yeah. And look, yeah. I've, I've seen, uh, uh, you know, I've been in practice, my wife uh, constantly informed me, it's no longer 40 years, closer to 50 years, and I've seen some <laughs> quite, quite remarkable achievements done with things that uh, mainstream people would uh, would laugh at. Uh, yeah. I'm entitled uh, to be confident uh, about what I'm saying because I have seen uh, some of these benefits that are laughed at. I have seen it in practice and I've seen it working. Um, so right. yeah. I would I would be seriously recommending that the other herb that is frequently prescribed uh, with the golden seal is another uh-huh. American herb. It, it is called, uh, with, with echinacea, it's a herb called golden seal. Echinacea golden seal. Golden seal is Hydrastus canadensis. Echinacea is angustifolia or echinacea angustifolia. Both work well, but I would consider echinacea as a starting base. Okay, yep. Yep, I'm just writing all this down. <laughs> now, I don't know what, is he having any topical management of the, of the condition? Like, is, is the lesion being treated uh, with, with any ointments, creams, or anything like that? Uh, it wasn't last time I saw him, no. Okay. No. Uh, he was back, his specialist was away, yes. and um, he was going back last week. Okay. So okay. I'm not sure. I'll have to ring him back, um, pass this on, and then find out where he's up to in his treatment um, once he's seen his specialist. That's correct. The specialist is the person that, uh, if I was the bullet, so to speak, all I'm doing here is making a, a left-field suggestion that yeah, might yeah. be useful when nothing else is working. Absolutely. Well, you know, any news is good news for this. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Mm. All right, Dennis, we'll really appreciate that, and I'll be sure to pass that on. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we'll just uh, really appreciate that. Thank, Thank you. you very much for ringing. All righty. Bye now. It's Health Naturally on 2NURFM 103.7, and we've got Genevieve from Tory Burn, and she's got a question about a genetic test. 
Genevieve. Hi, Janice, how are you? I'm very well, Genevieve. How are you? Yes, good. Um, good. My, my question being um, in regards to my husband and my son recently got a, um, a methylation gen- genetic test. Oh, yes. And, and uh, my husband's come back with two um, genes that have been mutated and my son has one mutation of the gene. And I'm just wondering what kind of dietary restrictions are, are caused um, or should be taken upon after finding out if you can absorb. I believe it's some kind of um, thing that you can't, your body can't absorb if you have this mutation. It was the test done uh, by a medical clinic or a, a medical authority. Yes, so it was through the GP, and oh, it good, was, good, um, good. Yeah. The only reason. I, the only reason I'm asking that is that um, there are a lot of tests circulating presently, I note, um, that are expensive and usually are associated with sending a sample overseas at huge cost and then getting a very controversial interpretation of it. Fortunately, if it's done by our GPs, it would be, it would be a test that would be a medical test that would have some credibility, so uh, that's fine. That's fine, but, I, but I, I'm just saying that because I warn listeners about the way in which uh, an individual can easily uh, be uh, coerced via the net into paying a lot of money for a fairly, uh, what would you call it, controversial test, usually at great money, a great amount of money from overseas. Be cautious about that process. I, I see too many uh, people in my rooms that have paid out huge amounts of money to uh, countries that I've not mentioned their name um, and have not received what I would consider as any any credible uh, medical interpretation of their problem. Now, look, getting back to your situation, I haven't got any easy answer to this. It's not a a test. Uh, I'm not a geneticist, uh, so I don't purport to be. Have you uh, discussed with your good GP... Uh, his ideas on what might need to be done to help this seemingly assimilation problem? Um, so the GP was quite um, uneducated in the test himself. Uh, he, it was quite new to him. He had never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was come about um, through, it's funny you say that, pre-warning, um, just uh, a test that uh, my husband found information about on the internet because, um, yeah, so, <laughs> but, um, but I guess the reason why we decided to test was because a lot of the um, side effects of this mutation is ADHD, um, it can have a lot to do with um, mental disorders and whatnot, and my son um, has had a diagnosis of ADHD, so it was kind of to see if we can treat his ADHD. ADHD in a natural way okay. instead of yeah okay. turning. Well, look, yeah. W- w- what I I will not say anything more about um, my sentiments about <laughs> tests from overseas and the conclusions that are made for them. All that, uh, and I can well understand your good GP being a little bit puzzled. Um, so I'm more puzzled. But having or looking at the conditions you're talking about, there is a lot that can be done, in my opinion in naturopathic and, and herbal medicine procedures. Um, and uh, my approach to these conditions is 
to, to use herbs, which have, if you like, an improving effect on the gut at all levels of its functioning, upper gut and lower gut, uh, particularly prebiotic and probiotic approaches to it. I think there's a role for those. And there's, a, a, I believe, as far as the gut is concerned, the herb that I've already mentioned today, a herb called golden seal, has a, a very significant effect on all levels of gastrointestinal activity. It works on the upper gut against inflammatory conditions in, in, the, in the stomach. It works in the duodenal area. It works on the gallbladder. It is a very protective uh, substance for the gut wall and promotes uh, improvement in assimilation. It, and if there is any argument in or anything to say about the, the test results here which implicate assimilation, a golden seal would be one herb that a, a naturopath or herbalist is seeking to treat the gut and improve um, gut functioning. It would be a, a way to go as a means of addressing the problem. But I, with AD and ADHD, I tend to use um, what are called the Brahmi remedies, B-R-A-H-M-I, Brahmi remedies. Uh, one of them is Hydrocotyl Asiatica, uh, and um, it, it is uh, a, a well-known um, Asian, Asian herb. Um, the, the, any, any herbalist would be aware of the Brahmi selection of herbs. Um, I have written papers on them, which are able to pick up from my rooms free of charge to read up on them. I would be going down that um, uh, down the pathway of prescribing those herbs in conjunction with some uh, golden seal to address the gut. Yep, excellent. Now that might that, that may not uh, lead to anything, but it's if you're concerned about it, rather than pay out any uh, a great amount of money, um, go to a herbalist, a compounding pharmacist, and ask for the Brahmi herbs, the leading one being Hydrocotyl Asiatica, commonly known as, as, as Gotcha Cola. Yeah, excellent. Anything's worth a shot. <laughs> okay. Look, if you have further trouble, you can always contact my rooms at New Lambton and we can take it further. Excellent. Thanks very much for All your right, time. Genevieve. Good on you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we've got Colin from Mayfield West and he's got a question about sciatica. Colin. Yes. Hello, Colin. How you going, Dennis? Good, good, good. How can we help you? Uh, about eight weeks ago, I woke up and I had a sore leg yes. and with pain in the mm -hmm. rear backside sort of thing, yes. on the right side. Yes. And as the day went on, the pain just got excruciating and I've been told I've got sciatica. Yes. If I sit down for about five minutes, yes. pain goes away, yes. stand up and it comes back. Yes. Is there anything I can take to, to relieve it? Has your doctor prescribed for it, uh, Colin? Oh, I haven't seen my doctor. I've got to go and see him next week. Okay. Look, that's that's the first port of call. Um, yep. Anything like this um, obviously needs some medical investigation. All listeners know that I'm a great supporter of our, our general practitioners, so I'd have to encourage you to pursue that. In in the in the meantime, in the meantime, um, something topical might be useful product known as Stiff Sore and Sorry. I had a little bit to do in, in helping a chap called Ray develop that. It's a local product. Let's support local products, particularly good pharmaceuticals. It's a topical preparation based on the herb Arnica and a particular preparation of capsicum. 
and it does work. It works topically. That is, it has no, uh, how can you call it, effect other than a significant reliever of pain and inflammation, which is characteristic of sciatica. So I w- if I were you as a starting base, I'd get hold of some of that from your pharmacist or from your health food store. It's not expensive. You don't need a script. And I, and I, can, I can vouch for that product. I know the guy that developed it. I gave a little bit of professional advice when it was being developed. Now, as far as um, oral medication is concerned, and this is something that uh, you would need to talk to your doctor about because he may prescribe a more conventional substance, which would probably do the job as well because this condition may of itself in time take up without a lot of uh, interference and a simple um, pharmaceutical prescription from your GP might do the job. But the two herbs that herbalists trained in the Western tradition would think about is an American herb, and I'll say it slowly, called black cohosh, C-O-H-O-S-H, black cohosh, and a South African herb um, called devil's claw. Now, they have botanical names. Uh, Both occur at a documented, well-written-up, in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, as I keep saying, the the Bible of modern Western herbal medicine. The dosages are contained in that. Uh, If you have a pharmacy there that has a herbal dispensary, they would be able to dispense that for you. But what I would suggest is go down the pathway initially of some topical management, give the condition a chance itself uh, to ease and take up and follow it up by seeing your your GP just in case there is uh, no serious interference in the integrity of your spinal column. Yeah, just that uh, I woke up one morning, you know, one day as good as gold, next day that was it, just bang. Yeah, it looks, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not an uncommon condition. Um, I can't recollect having it, but what I mean, I've got one foot in the grave, so to speak, so I can't remember much at all. Now, look, I'm only joking. But I've got a few toes. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think that's the best advice. Stiff, sore and sorry topically. Make a beeline for your GP. The two herbs that I've mentioned usually give some result, but by the time you see your GP, it may well have taken up with a little bit of topical treatment. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I've got to go to Kim's afternoon, so I'll see if he's got any. Good on you, Colin. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, now, you talk about the lycopene. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll say something fairly briefly here because I'd like to take it up again in, in more depth, uh, say, next week. But uh, we've talked about lycopene's potential benefit as an agent to help uh, blood pressure management. And I say as a potential agent... And I say it again, under professional monitoring, as perhaps a complementary blood pressure medication. We spoke about it earlier, but now what I want to do is look at it from a different perspective. Most males will experience some degree of prostate problem. It will either be what's called benign prostatic hypertrophy, which is enlargement of the prostate gland, which can be quite troublesome and uh, embarrassing and frequently uh, can lead and uh, and obviously must lead if it is at a serious level to surgical interven- intervention. But some males uh, will also develop what's called prostate cancer. Now, the two conditions are different. If you have an enlarged prostate gland, that doesn't mean to say that you will get prostate cancer necessarily. Prostate cancer is a different condition obviously more serious, 
and needs to be managed, obviously, from a medical perspective with the medications and techniques that uh, medicine has today. But, but, in the work by the two Canadians, the texts that I've mentioned on this program over many years, Foods That Fight Cancer, the two cancer specialists who work in a university, the University of Quebec in Montreal, the two gentlemen, Bellevue and Gingras, both with medical qualifications and PhDs, have written a book, Foods That Fight Cancer, and in that they deal with a number of foods that have been shown to have useful benefits in certain forms of cancer. When you deal with prostate cancer in that book, you are confronted with the real possibility that lycopene, yes, that substance that we spoke about earlier in the program that could be used beneficially in, in blood pressure, lycopene also has been shown to have a potential inhibiting effect on prostate cancer and the uh, consequences of it. In fact, it has been contended by the writers there that 30%, 30% of individuals with a prostate cancer or a potential prostate cancer may benefit from using a regular ingestion of lycopene in any form in any tomato product. There's a lot more that I'm going to say about it because that is fairly simplistic, what I have said. But what is being put forward here is that the regular taking of lycopene in any food form, not necessarily in an encapsulated form, as we spoke about for blood pressure, but lycopene in, uh, in, in any food form, when taken as part of the diet, can potentially see a situation occur where prostate cancer becomes less aggressive, the cancer itself can slow down, potentially. I'll talk about that next week. And also, a remarkable paper that's been written on another herb that is recommended medically in some countries to be taken where a person is receiving cancer therapy by the medical profession, a herb that works with it for prostate cancer. All right, so... We're looking at more fruit, not fruit, more vegetables next week again. Well, uh, people would say that tomato, in fact, is a fruit, Greg. It's a vegetable, though, isn't it? No, well, you have it either way, fruit or a vegetable. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> yes, indeed. Dennis Stewart, thank you very much for coming in all once again. We'll we had a good time, didn't we? Well, I, it's I like, reckon it's probably one of the best times we've had it in. It's, it's the T-shirt, the <laughs> it black T-shirt it is. With, the, with the green floral flowering on. I wonder what that green... Motive is on that. Uh, I can't say what it is. You won't. Well, I'm a bit worried about you, Greg. You're a bit worried. <laughs> Dennis Stewart, thank you very much. We'll catch you again next week for Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>